This is the journey to Bethlehem. Today I'm calling it a miraculous journey because, you know, there's things that happen in our lives and we wonder how in the world did this happen? How did this come about at this time? Different things just kind of fall. We think they just fell into place like it's some random act that something happened. You met that person that you married. I don't know how that happened. God orchestrated that. You know, I don't know how I made it to New Prospect Baptist Church to be a member here, to serve here. God orchestrated that. So these things in your life have brought you to this point. And so we understand that God works in miraculous ways. And he's got things for you and I if we will, three things, persevere, if we will pray, and if, you know, even if we have a mixed reaction, God is working things together to complete what I would call a miracle. One of the greatest miracles, obviously, is salvation. And how God has worked that for you and I so that we may have salvation is a miracle. To bring a dead man to life is a miracle. And he does that in each and every single individual that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. He brings them a spiritual miracle of salvation. And so today we're looking at this miraculous journey. And now listen, I'm not talking about Mary and Joseph and their trek across all the lands. And if you've ever seen the movie, The Nativity Story, they, they, it's, it's a great movie. I, I love it. We watch it every single season. Uh, Joseph commits to taking Mary to Bethlehem and there's, he puts her on a donkey. And, and I mean, it's probably the first time I'd ever seen it illustrated in the distance and in the hardships that he quite possibly could have faced along the way so that they could get to where they had to get so that Jesus could be born to fulfill prophecy from Micah 5 to O Bethlehem Ephrathah. And we talked about that last week. But this week, we've got another prophecy that's being fulfilled. We're not quite to Jesus. We're right before him, the forerunner. We're talking about the forerunner. We're talking about John the Baptist. But we're not, not actually, as as I looked at this and I've studied it, we're not really so much focusing on John the Baptist. We're focusing on some faithful, committed followers of God that were married and stuck it out. And we're looking at Zacharias and Elizabeth. All kind of things that we kind of sometimes just pass on over. You know, a lot of times we don't take a lot of time to think about Zacharias and Elizabeth and how vital they are to the journey to Bethlehem, if you will. Now, we know a lot about John the baptizer as he comes along later on. And and from this account, we know that that he foretold that Isaiah 40 verse 3 tells us this about John the baptizer. It says this, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Who is the mouth? Who is the voice, if you will? That is John the baptizer. You know, I like that TV program, The Voice. This is the voice. You know, some of y'all watched that. Y'all probably thought that was a sad, that was a sad sad effort. I know, just forgive me. But anyway, uh, John the baptizer was the first voice, really. 
He was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, making straight the paths. He was bringing back, because the paths were crooked for the Jews. They had, been, they had gone all crooked off the path of what God wanted them to do. And they had abandoned, really, a love for God, more for the law of God. And there's got to be a mold between the two. It's got to be, it's got to be a blending of the two, the law and the love of God. They cannot be uh, divorced from one another. They've got to be together. And, and, and part of that is the Jews, especially at the top, and a lot of times that's what happens. You people at your top get confused and get distracted and they're not following, but you've got to keep it together. And one way we see that there was a couple that kept it together was Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias and Elizabeth. Some translations say Zacharias. Some translations say Zacharias. My new King James says Zacharias, so I'm going to pronounce it as a Zach. So it's Zach and Beth, and they've got a pretty healthy marriage. We're really grateful for that, okay? So let's read together. You can stay seated. Stay seated because it's a lot of text, okay? I'm going to read it to you. Luke chapter 1, beginning there in verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he would, uh, excuse me, when he, when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Pretty, pretty, pretty rare name for that culture, you know? You're going to call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now listen, they, it's already said they're old, and it doesn't give them a definitive time of when this baby's going to be conceived. It's going to be in, my, in, in its own time. And the people waited for Zacharias there in verse 21, and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. 
So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, now after those days again, we didn't know how long that was, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to read your word. God, may it penetrate our hearts. God, may what you have given me, Lord, be what each and every single one of us needs. Lord, so many things you've already preached to me from this text already this week. God, I pray, Lord, that it will preach to those that are sitting amongst us today. God, may it apply to our lives, and Lord, may we go forth serving you faithfully, Lord, understanding the value of your word in our life daily. Lord, if someone needs to repent, turn away from their sin and confess you as Lord, I pray they'll do that very thing today. God, I pray, Lord, you'll work in our midst and move. God, may we leave here different than how we came in. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this, it's, it's a little different, it's very narrative. It's not like preaching through something that Paul has written. So we're going to walk through, we're going to talk about first the people that are the characters, the individuals in this account. I don't want to use the word, I said characters. But a lot of times when we think of characters, we think of fictitional stories. These are not fictitional stories, these are truths. Things that actually happen to actual people in an actual time period. These are individuals in an account. Okay, so we have Zacharias and we have Elizabeth. And it tells us that Zacharias was a priest in the division of Abijah. And his name means the Lord remembers. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. You know, those were the Levitical priests, the line of the Levitical priests. And she was a daughter from that line. And Elizabeth means God's hope. And what does it tell us about this couple? It tells us they were righteous before God. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Could people say that of us as, as individuals, as husbands and wives? Do we walk in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless? I don't think they were perfect. I don't think that's what the Bible's trying to tell us. But they were mighty close. You know? Mighty close. So close that... That Luke, as an author, as a writer, proclaimed it that way. Isn't it wonderful that you can have someone that would that is close enough to you and, and knows you well enough that they, they see you in such a generous and wonderful light to see that you're walking in that way? Listen, it's hard to put on a show for long, isn't it? It's hard to be fake for a while. Somebody's going to figure you out. But these folks were old, the Bible tells us. I'm not trying to be mean. But they were old. And they're, they're saying that they walked a life, they lived a life of righteousness, and they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. That's one way that they are defined here. This couple, they're also defined as childless. Elizabeth was barren. And in that day and time, that was almost seen as a curse. That was like something that God had said, you're there's a reproach on you, as Elizabeth says at the very last text. There was a reproach on her. And her husband was even a priest. And we're going to get into his prayer in just a minute. How many years? Now listen, how many years had um, Zacharias been praying for a child? Specifically a son. How long? Probably a long time. 
context and, and research tells us that he quite likely, he was very likely possibly between 60 and 70 years old, not had a child. That's pretty good long ways. I think about there was a couple from a church I served several years ago, Leroy and Ixie Macquarie. Leroy and Exie were wonderful people. Leroy always told me if you ate hot peppers, it makes you, it uh, fights cancer. So we ate a lot of hot peppers on Wednesdays, and we would sit down and eat with the senior adults. I'd eat them. And uh, they would chop up them jalapeno peppers, and they'd put them in those, the black-eyed pea dip. I don't know what you call that stuff, but boy, it was delicious. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, uh, Leroy and, and Exie, uh, Leroy was a little old fella. You know, I mean, I'm pretty tall, but Leroy was a little old fella. And he was a little hunched over, and he wore suspenders. They didn't have any children. They had been married 64 years when I was there. 64 years and never had any children. And I'm telling you, though, they were faithful as the day was long. And I can say from everything I saw in their life, that was a righteous couple. They were a righteous couple. They lived for the Lord. Some of you in here, you've still got your spouse. Praise God. May you be found a righteous couple. Some of you, unfortunately, your husband or your wife has gone on to be with the Lord. I pray that the testimony and the witness of others around you can say they were a righteous couple. I pray that one day people look at me and my wife and they say they were a righteous couple. They may not know us in full because obviously they would know we are not perfect by any means. But yet... We want to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God. So what I want you to understand in this as we begin to walk through this, miracles can happen when the righteous persevere. Miracles can happen. I'm not telling you they will, okay? Because let me tell you something. I don't know what God's will is in every situation. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they will happen. But miracles can happen when the righteous persevere. We've got to persevere. They were an older couple. How many people today, we can't have any kids, they give up on one another. They give up on their marriage. They give up on the simplest ticky-tack things. And they don't persevere and they never see the miracle and the working of the Lord in their life. And we've got a couple here that he is 60 to 70 years old. Very likely she might have been 10 to 15 years younger than him. But nonetheless... They were an older couple. But how many folks give up on a marriage? And we've got a testimony of Zacharias and Elizabeth saying we're going to be faithful. We're going to be faithful. And the scripture tells us there that they had no child. Elizabeth was barren. They were both well in years. And so it was that while he was serving as a priest there in verse 8, before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, I want you to understand this. What does that mean that he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division? There were 18,000 priests. 18,000 priests. And each one of those they're, they're subdivided into 24 divisions. So there's 750 men in each division. And a priest would go to Jerusalem for one week, two times a year. For one week, two times a year. And a minister at the temple, if they were there, 
at the temple two weeks a year, and they would cast lots to see who would do it. You, you know, the, you know the, the, the improbability of him being the priest at this time? I mean, 18,000 priests, 24 divisions, 750 in each division. And it says that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his vision, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell uh, to him to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The, the, the impossibilities, I don't want to say impossible because God's a part of it, but the unlikelihood that this were to take place is astronomical. It's a miracle of God that it was Zacharias who was the light fell to him, which, you know, for us today, we don't really look very uh, positively on drawing straws or casting dice or whatever it may be. There was the, 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 the cumin uh, that, that they would roll. It was kind of like basically like rolling dice, and it fell to him. So he had that opportunity to go in, and God knew it. Because God is orchestrating all this together. He's the sovereign God of miracles. And he knew the son was going to come through Mary. And the forerunner was going to come through Elizabeth. And Zacharias was the priest. Look at this miracle. He's 60 or 70 years old. And the angel appears unto him in this hour in which he's burning incense. And verse 10 kind of molds together with the next point as well. But let me go ahead and read 10, 11 and 12. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the temple at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. We'll stop right there for just a minute. Listen, the first point I just really wanted, gosh, miracles can happen when the righteous persevere. We, have, we, are, we need to be very cautious about how we're raising up this generation, this generation and the next generation and the upcoming generation of being a give up generation. We need to raise people to persevere. They talk about the greatest generation that ever lived because they persevered through World War II and, and uh, before the, the Depression and all these different things. That generation is a generation that persevered. We got a generation now that don't even know what gender they are. Good grief. We got to persevere. I mean, what in the world? You know why? Because the world has left this. And parents have said, oh, if you want to go to church, you can, but I'm not going to make you. They ain't persevered. Parents have lost the backbone and gave it up for tolerance. Instead of a spiritual backbone of the Word of God growing up their back, they got tolerance growing up it and being a coward to their own kids. What is up? You got Zacharias and Elizabeth, man. They're, they're older and they're going... Lord, and it says that he prayed. The angel says, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is hearty, 60 and 70 years old, still praying for a kid. How many of you still want a kid at 60 and 70 years old? You're like, no, no. Bring me the grandkids, they can go back to the house. Bring me the great-grandkids, they can go back to the house. They're just wanting a child. They're persevering. 
Listen, we've, we've, we've got to raise our kids up right. Because if you halfway raise them up and then they go to college, college is going to halfway raise them down. They're going to bring them down. They're going to, instead of raising them and training them in the way of godliness, they're going to raise them like you do a building. Destroy them. They're going to destroy the foundations if you send them off. you got to raise them up right. Listen, you can't just flippantly say, well, you know, the Bible says, John 3, 16, and the Bible says, I don't even know what, you know, do not judge lest you be judged. That's the most popular verse in the world today, honestly. we got to raise them up on every bit of the Bible. We got to raise them up all in Romans. We got to raise them up all up in the Gospels. We got to raise them up in the Old Testament. We got to raise them up in Genesis. In the beginning, God created. We've got to persevere in how we raise our families. We've got to persevere. And I look at Zacharias and Elizabeth, and what a great, wonderful, godly, righteous couple pursuing the Lord year after year. How miraculous it was that he was the one in the temple on that day. And it's not because of what Zacharias did. God knew what was happening. It's not anything Zacharias did in, in regard to that. He was just faithful. And you may not see a miracle in your life and you be faithful for years. We just got to be faithful. Righteously faithful. Miracles can't happen when the righteous persevere. And, and just kind of piggybacking into this next set of verses in, in there in verse <laughs> in verses 8 through 12 where it says uh, it, that he was in there praying and when they're burning the incense that's what they're doing they're praying to God they're praying they're praying their own personal prayers they're praying a prayer over the town in which he was a priest he was like a pastor that got this special privilege like it would be like grand don't get me wrong that he was in the presence of the Lord in the holy of holies but for us, you know, we could come into the Holy of Holies every day because the veil has been torn. But for a pastor today, this is very, uh, it's kind of like getting the opportunity to go preach at like the state convention or the, or the SBC convention. You know, wow, I'm getting to speak before all. And on behalf of, really, is the greatest thing. On behalf of. And so here he is. He's speaking on behalf of his family. He's speaking on behalf of his tribe. Because, you know, we talked about Bethlehem. Bethlehem's an itty-bitty old town. He's, 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 and he's getting to speak. Zacharias is getting to speak on behalf of all the people here. And he's speaking on behalf of all the people of God in the midst of God. And he's walking through and he's burning that incense there at the altar and he's praying. And the multitude is outside. Look at what that scripture says. Um, it says the multitude, the whole multitude there in verse 10 of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. They knew. They knew when Zacharias would be praying, so they prayed too. Church, miracles can happen. Miracles can happen when the righteous pray. Miracles can happen when the righteous pray. If we have a need in the church, we need to be praying for it. You know, I think about Miss Regina. We had special prayer Wednesday night for Miss Regina. Special things can happen when the righteous pray. We've got to take time. Prayer can't be just a filler. Prayer can't be just a filler of time in our lives. Prayer needs to be the filler of our lives. You know, we, we do this. Listen, churches, we're, the, we're some of the world's worst about taking prayer and minimizing it. 
We do it to cover up a time for an instrumentalist to come up on stage. We do it for a time for people to transition here, there, everywhere. And listen, I'm not telling you that's the ultimate purpose of it, but that's, that's the timing of it is a lot of times. We, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. And if we want to see things changed, if we want to see God work, when I say our prayer don't really change things, it changes us in submission to the will of God. And you listen to Zacharias. Nothing changed about Zacharias. He was faithfully doing what he always did. The lot happened to fall to him. He was in there. He continued doing faithfully what he had always done. But then God did what only God could do. Because he prayed. And because God knew things were orchestrating, God was setting them in place for his son to come to give man redemption, salvation. That's the great thing about prayer. When, when the righteous pray, miracles can. Now listen, I'm not telling you they will, okay? But they can. So in hope of what God can do, we faithfully do what we know God's called us to do. And that is to pray. The multitude was praying outside at the hour of incense. And then an angel, verse 11, of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. You know, sometimes we forget what these angels look like. They were massive, intimidating creatures that God has created. Six wings. I mean, you know, it's pretty intense. And that angel appears. Boom. And he's, he's whoa, 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 wait a minute. And, you know, this is the thing. Zechariah, you know, once, once these priests pray this one time, they don't ever get an opportunity to do it again. It's, it's special. It's, it's consecrated. And, and, and they, they, they never get to do that again. According to the custom of priesthood, it, it fell when he, went into the word of the, when he went into the temple. And, and he fell down, that scripture says. It says, in fear, he fell upon him. He was troubled. You ever been perplexed? You ever, you ever been, fear fell upon you? Ellie tries to call, cause fear to fall upon me every Sunday morning. She sneaks around the church. She tries to scare me, you know. I enjoy it. It's fun, you know. But if I saw a six-winged angel appear out of nothing, I think I'd be a little bit more scared than Ellie jumping out at me. I'd be frightened and terrified. And then that angel says to him, there in verse 13, do not, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Now what does, God, what does John mean? John means God is gracious. John means God is gracious. And here is a righteous couple, faithful, you know, the Bible tells that God opens and closes the womb. And you don't know why he does. It, it, it's, it's remarkable to me when I think about, when I think about that. Because so many people, I, I think about my buddy Matt Lott's speech. Matt Lott's speech came and he was the youth pastor. Me and him both started at the same time. I started at Farmstead. He started at First Baptist Jasper. Matt was a good buddy of mine. We did a lot of ministry together. He and his wife couldn't have any kids. They prayed, 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 and, you know, did everything to try to have some children. And then they just decided, you know, maybe it's the Lord's will that we adopt. They adopted their first child, and I'm telling you, I don't think it was six months to a year they conceived. 
Sometimes it's about opening your heart. But yet it's also about being faithful. And trusting the Lord's got a plan. He's got a plan. And this angel tells him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your prayer is heard. His faithfulness and his prayer had been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. Could you imagine the years? Listen, just because you serve faithfully and righteously doesn't always mean you serve happily. Is that bad to say? You go through stints where it's difficult. You're still serving the Lord. You still love him. You're still faithful. You're still trusting him. But at times, there's sadness in serving the Lord. There's difficulties in serving the Lord. You don't see things happen like you'd like them to. You don't see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. You don't see people repent of their sin. You don't see people confess. You don't see people step up and serve. There's times when there's sadness. But that doesn't make God any less faithful. And it doesn't make me, should not make me less any, uh, any less faithful as well. But it does make you sad at times. But he says, there will be joy and you will have. Listen to that promise that the Lord has sent to the angel Gabriel. You will have joy. You shall call his name John. Elizabeth will bear you a son. You notice I haven't used the word will in any of these miracles. But God is at liberty to use it whenever he very well pleases. Because you know what? God sees his promises through. I can't promise you a miracle. There's a lot of denominations and churches out there. God will give you a miracle if you'll just do this and if you'll just do that. No, 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 no. God will do a miracle if God so chooses to do a miracle. We be faithful. He'll be God. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. You know what? You know what Jesus said of John the Baptizer, John the Baptist? No greater man has been born unto woman than John the Baptizer. Not one. Not one man born unto woman. And right here, the angel tells him, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And then there's some, some things that, that we see inside of this angel's charge unto uh, Zacharias. He said, he shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. Now, why does it differentiate there in that text? Because there's a difference. There's a difference. The Bible don't want us to be drinking strong drink. And he, he wants him to be sober minded, clear minded. You want to receive something from the Lord? Your mind better be clear. You can't be out here in a drunken stupor thinking that God's speaking to you. You know, I listened about this, this person this week. Uh, she does this weird stuff calling on spirits. And she says she's, she goes out and she smokes the Indian herbal weed so that she can uh, know what the spirit's saying. And she talks to a lot of uh, Hollywood actors and actresses, and they pay her thousands of dollars to go smoke weed and then tell her, tell them how they should live their life. How ridiculous and stupid. I'm sorry. I'm, I shouldn't use that word from the pulpit. How ridiculous and silly. The Bible says that he's going to be sober-minded. Why is that? Because he's going to be my prophet. 
And his mind needs to be clear to hear from God, to hear from, from the Lord. Now, the Gabriel's saying this, so it ain't to hear from him, but to hear from the Lord. People think they hear from the Lord, they're here for something else if they're on something. They ain't hearing from God. God speaks to those whose minds are clear, who's pursuing him, sober-minded. He says he will not do either of those things. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Boy, I could, I could spend a whole lot of time right here today. If y'all don't know what's going on in Supreme Court right now, there's a case before the Supreme Court. It's the Mississippi ruling where after 15 weeks, you can't have an abortion. All right? And if the Supreme Court overturns this, which they've heard all the arguments for it, if they overturn this in January, that is a victory for life. The first baby, the first person, and I've seen this on Facebook, but right here the scripture said, the first person to rejoice over the, the, the coming Savior was a baby in the womb. Was a baby in the womb. You tell me that's not life. And I'll tell you, you have never followed anything of science in your life. And people say, science says this. You don't know nothing about science. God is the greatest scientist of all. He created it all, and I follow him. And if life is conceived, if life is life upon conception, life is life. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. God values life at every stage, from the earliest of beginnings to the very end. And he, he values every single life. I think we as a church need to stand with Jesus and value life. In that, in that debate at the Supreme Court, there was a woman who stood in favor of abortion. Her mother, due to her spiritual beliefs, she was young, she had gotten pregnant, she did not believe in abortion. So she gave her child up for adoption. Okay? This was the biological mother. The adoptive mother, because of her spiritual beliefs, she believed in adoption and did not believe in abortion and adopted this lady who was arguing for abortion before the Supreme Court. This woman wanted to die. What in the world? What in the world, church? What's wrong with these people? God's given you the intellect, the knowledge, the wisdom, education. I'm sure that lady was probably highly educated to be able to stand for Supreme Court. It don't sound like she was educated well. Just because you get an education don't mean you're smart, okay? Just, just to clarify that, okay? just means you can read a book, write a paper, and pass a test. I've done it all, okay? I've done all those things, so I'm, I'm saying that to myself as well, okay? But I don't understand that concept. I don't understand that. Life is valuable. This woman was saying, basically, she said she despised her biological mother and, and her adoptive mother because they did not, she did not choose a, a, a abortion. She wouldn't even have been able to stand before them to argue for or against it. It makes no sense, church. And I believe it is because we have lost the reality that this has got to be the foundation of everything we build our kids' lives on. We don't build it on Disney. We don't build it on, on Instagram or TikTok. 
We don't build it on sticking an iPad or an iPhone in front of their faces and say, piddle with this for hours. Give them the Word of God. Give them the Word of God. Listen, this, and listen, we're blessed here. We've got a lot of Christian educators in our schools here in Walker County. As a youth pastor for 11 and a half years here in this county, I know many of the educators in Walker County. At least at Jasper and Curry, I know a bunch of them. Most of them are believers. The vast majority of them are believers. And I know, I know many of them. And at Lupton, too. My kids went to Lupton. I knew a lot of them up there as well. Listen, we're not facing a lot of the stuff people in other, other states and countries. The further you go north and the further you go west, it's, it's messed up, man. These schools, I'm telling you. As soon as they come out the womb, we need to be singing the psalms over them. We need to be reading the scriptures over them. We need to be praying over them in their beds at night. Listen, I didn't do it every night. I wished I would have. But I remember going in there and I'd pray over my kids. I don't do it every night. I should. But I'd go up there and I'd put my hand on his chest. And I'd pray for him. I'd pray for Terry and I'd go in there and put my hand on her shoulder and pray for her. Listen, fathers... Boy, don't you cop out. Don't you cop out. Don't you leave all the spiritual upbringing to mama, grandmama, great-grandmama. Don't you leave it up to them. What is the purpose of John? What is the purpose of that child? You look there in those verses, there in verses 15, 16, 17. He will turn many of the children, verse 16 in particular. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Listen. Why do we, why do we instill the word of God into our kids? Why do we teach them the word of God it is to prepare a way for the Lord in their own lives and hopefully what they'll do in the lives of others as they grow up. Because one day they ain't going to be in your house. One day they ain't going to be in your house. And many of you know that. I mean, y'all have parented longer than I have. Many of you, not all of you. They're not going to be in your house forever. So what are you going to send them out with? A financial inheritance? It gets burnt up. A lot of times it gets wasted, just to be honest with you. Or are you going to give them a spiritual inheritance? Something that can last for an eternity. Train them up. Train them up in the way they will go. In the end, they will not depart from it. That's not a promise. But it's something that we should definitely strive to do. We, we train them. You raise cattle. You train kids. Train them. You train them by living yourself the way Christ is called the believer to live. The goal of John was to turn them back. Now listen. These last set of verses. Verses 18 through 25. And Zacharias said to the angel, listen. Miracles can still happen when there's mixed reactions. 
Miracles could still happen with mixed reactions. Look there in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. You doubt in the word of the Lord? Ain't that what Eve did? Doubt in the word of the Lord? Oh, man, be careful. Better back off. Better watch it now. Doubt in the word of the Lord. But you know what's going to happen. Here it comes. Gabriel ain't too pleased with the fact that he doubted what the Lord had to say. <laughs> He's a little frustrated. I just came from God is basically what Gabriel says. I, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And you're going to doubt me? You're going to doubt? I'm in, I appear to you, your chance in a million to be in here burning incense. I come before you from the presence of God to give you a message of glad tidings. And this is how you receive it? You talk about what, what you can do in your physical body beyond what God can do? Ho, oh, buddy. Just shut your mouth and watch. Just shut your mouth and watch is basically what... This is Blake's paraphrase. This is the message version, <laughs> if you will. This, that, the, that's what he says. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. I basically quote it from memory. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. It's going to fulfill in its own time. Listen, I'm not giving you any time frame. You done doubted. You'll probably doubt the time frame too. If I were to give you a date and time, you'd probably say, I don't know if I believe that either. But you're just going to have to wait and see. And the Lord's going to get the, you know, have a little fun. I think sometimes the Lord has a little fun with it sometimes. I'm going to have a little fun with you because now you doubted me. Now you're going to shut your mouth. Your wife's going to enjoy that a lot. Your mouth's going to be closed for a while. Verse 21, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. I think it's in the nativity story. And I love this. He comes out, and they're talking to him. He's a pretty big guy. He's bigger than I am anyway, chest-wise. And he comes out, and he, and he tears his robes. And they're like, oh, something's happened. And they said, he's seen a vision. So they go back, and he, and he tells them. And uh, I, I guess he writes it out in the movie. They show him writing like on a chalkboard. To explain what's going on. So, so it was, verse 23, as soon as the days of his service was completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on, when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She's praising the Lord. I am so grateful that the Lord, he watched over me, took care of me. Maybe, the, maybe God kept her in good health physical help to be able to still have a baby at the age that she was at. God gave her a good husband who remained faithful to the work that God had called him to. God gave her, and now God has given her a child. Listen, miracles can happen when the righteous persevere. Miracles can happen when the righteous pray. And even when we have mixed reactions... You can see it's in this text that Zacharias, he doubted. Of course, he got his mouth shut because of it. But Elizabeth, she received it. And then she was grateful. In all those years where I had reproach from man, God still saw favor on me because I remained faithful to him. No matter what people see of you, remain faithful to God. 
God can use us. Just be faithful. Be faithful. It doesn't matter what man says of you. There was reproach on Elizabeth because she had not had a baby. She was so much older. But it didn't matter. Don't worry about what man says. You be faithful. We need to be faithful. Just a couple of questions I'll leave with you today. Will you righteously persevere in prayer and devotion as Zacharias and Elizabeth did? Will you committedly pray for God's redemptive plan to continue as the multitudes prayed? Will you listen for God's directions for your life as were given by the angel to Zacharias and Elizabeth? Will you doubt God's goodness and power or you receive God's goodness and power when God decides to give it to you? Will you give your life to Jesus Christ?